So if you were here last week, you'll remember that we looked at the question, when is a problem not a problem? And we talked about three ways that you can turn your problems into something different. So essentially, you can make them not a problem. We looked at how problems with their negative connotations um, can be turned into positives. Always good if you can take a negative and turn it into a positive. Yeah. If it's a problem, uh, if it's your bank balance especially, that's a good one to turn into a positive too. Um, we looked at how you can turn it into challenges or opportunities. So I just want to quickly recap the three points from last week. Uh, otherwise, you'll kind of be a bit lost where I am today. Uh, so very quickly, the points covered were that a problem is not a problem when you turn it into an opportunity, when you give it to God, and when you trust completely in God and his promises, okay? So I want to continue on this week with part two of two, I guess you would call it, uh, looking at the same question. And I just have maybe three more points. It may just be one. I've got to look at the clock, okay? Uh, but they're really tools to share with you regarding this same question, when is a problem not a problem? I know I'm repeating that, but I kind of want it, want it to start to become a mindset for you, okay? One day about three years ago, I think it was, uh, the scriptures really started talking to me about problems. There's a number of them, uh, scriptures that is, not problems, thankfully. Um, but there's three I'm going to use primarily today. I, ca I came to the realization, for me anyway, that I no longer have to view anything as a problem anymore. And anything that is a problem I no longer have to carry it myself on these, I don't know, somewhat broadish shoulders, I guess. Um, so this week, yeah, I want to take a look at a second set of ways how and when I consider a problem not to be a problem. My first point is the longest, okay? So don't get worried thinking, wow, this first point's long. If second and third point are like this, this is going to be here all day. It's not, all right? Uh, my first point today is really, it's about understanding that God uses everything for his purpose. Now, if I understand that everything in my life that happens, all the highs, all the lows, all the successes, all the failures, seen a few of those, all the good things and all the problems, if I truly believe that God uses everything for his purpose, then I have no need to view anything as a problem, right? I understand that it is merely something that God is asking me to face as part of his purpose for me in this life. And believe me, through these last four or five years, um, yeah, God has asked me to face quite a few things. I mean, some of you know me, some of you don't. You know, five years ago, God kind of went, David, here's your life. Vump. I'm turning it completely upside down on you. It's going to be completely different. Um, but I praise God for that because, yeah, my life today is so much better with him as the center of my life, and I'm so thankful for that. I digress. Let's have a look at Romans 8:28 for a minute. 
I think it's going to come up here. Sorry, as you guys probably noticed, I get a bit dry talking. This is actually the NASB translation. It says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. It's a very famous verse. I'm sure most of you or all of you know it. Uh, I want to look at the, the Passion Translation version with you as well. It says this, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. So I want to break this down just a little bit with you. The first thing that I really notice from here is that it says every detail of our lives. Not just the good bits, not just the fun bits, it's every detail of our lives, which obviously that includes the problems also. And then it says that basically everything is part of God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. So again, why view anything as a problem if we understand the glory of this promise? If we understand this promise, it gives us no reason to view anything as a problem. I don't think that the good in, in this verse refers particularly to earthly comfort, though. Uh, I, I think it rever refers to a different kind of good. But it's a good that for Christians, for disciples of Jesus, is a much better good. It refers to closer fellowship with God. It refers to greater intimacy with the Father, to walking closer with Christ, and to the bearing of good fruit for the kingdom of God. Now, I think you'd all agree, all those things are definitely good in capital letters, right? Uh, in his commentary on the, book of, uh, on the book of Romans, I think it's Dr. Stephen Runge. I'm not quite sure how to say his last name, R-U-N-G-E. Uh, having been in Indonesia for a long time, I really wanted to say Rungi, but I figured that was probably not the correct spelling. Uh, he says this about verse 28. This recharacterization specifies how we should understand working together for good. It's not our definition of what good's like, good looks like. God's purpose determines the good. He calls us with a specific purpose in mind, and we can have the utmost confidence that all these things we face, including our present suffering, are working together as part of a larger plan that God has determined. And in the New Bible Commentary, it says this about, it says this, one basis for the believer's confident expectation of the future is God's constant working in all things for the good of those who love him. Nothing that can touch us lies outside the scope of our Father's care. It's cause for joy and a rock-solid foundation for hope. But we must define the good that God is working to produce for us in his terms and not in ours. Yeah? 
God knows our greatest good is to know him and to enjoy his presence forever. So he may, he might, in the pursuit of this final good, he might allow difficulties to afflict us sometimes. But our joy will come not from knowing that we'll never face such difficulties, because we will, okay? We will. We know it. Like I said last week, Jesus even, even, even tells us there will be tribulations. But the joy comes from knowing that whatever the difficulty is, our loving Father is at work to make us stronger Christians. Um, I hope this sounds okay, but I'm hoping that you're starting to see the point here that I'm trying to make. Things, situations that we see as a problem, they're not a problem. They're not a problem. They are part of the answer, part of the good of the purpose that God has designed for us. Now, a, a few years back, I had an epiphany, is, 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 is the word. I, I did Google it to make sure I was using the right word, and it was the right word. Um, it was an epiphany that put so much of my inner turmoil and so many of the questions that I had for God regarding my own life into perspective. And it was amazing. I read one sentence in outside of the Bible, what I would say, no, it was. The first Christian book I ever read outside of the Bible, one sentence in this book completely changed, completely changed how I looked at all of the things that I had perceived as massive, massive problems in my life previously. Um, I, I, I want to get quite personal with you here, meaning uh, share quite personally with you, um, because I want you to see how profound of an effect that God's glory and God's Word has had on my life and the freedom that it's given me. But more importantly, I want you to see how He can do the same for you. Also, please, I ask you to understand, I'm not looking for sympathy here, okay? Um, my only aim is honestly to glorify God. So, um, one minute, sorry, this is quite personal. And I know there are some here, and I know some in the worship team who uh, have been through, the, been through the same. So by the age of nine, uh, I, I was already an orphan. Uh, my father died when I was a baby, uh, six months old. So obviously, I never knew my earth human father. And then my mother was confined to her bed from when I was aged five. Uh, and she passed away when I was nine years old. So this was, as you can probably imagine, quite a problem in my life and uh, created many problems internally and emotionally. I didn't think I would get this uh, choked up, excuse me. That was 
until I read this one sentence, until the day that God set me free by directing me to this one book. I'm sure quite a few of you have probably read this book also. Uh, In his book, The Purpose Driven Life, Pastor Rick Warren writes this. I believe God allows you to go through hurtful experiences to equip you for, for ministry to others. When I first read this, I just about dropped the book. It just stopped me clean in my tracks. And much as I want to do now, I cried. Why did I cry? Not tears of sadness. I want to make that really clear. I did not cry tears of sadness. I cried tears of thanks. Thanks to the Holy Spirit. Thanks to God for speaking to me through this book and setting me free from almost almost 40 years of torment at that time. Now, I realize, you know, I realize some of you might completely disagree with that statement, and that, that's fine. You know, that's, uh, that's up to you. But for me, it was an absolute life changer, a game changer, I think they say in America. Now, when I was preparing this message, I was thinking, instead of the words hurtful experiences, you could easily switch those two words with the one word, problems. Because hurtful experiences, you know, for a lot of us, those are problems, right? So if you switch that out, it then says, I believe God allows you to go through problems to equip you for ministry to others. And this sentence really got me thinking about how with God, again, a problem is never really a problem, but it's something that's a means to a solution. It's a means to being able to help someone else in the future. And I think that can only be looked at as good. No matter what, the goodness of God is always, always, always there. And this was what got me reaching into the Word and seeing the glory of God in His many promises to us, which led me to the decision at that time to never again view anything as a problem. So, David, how are you going to view these things? Right. I'm going to view these things as something God has put in my path on my journey with Him for the furtherance of my purpose through, and thank you, Lord, with Him. And I believe, of course, this doesn't only apply to me. This applies to everybody here. Yeah, this is available to everyone. A quick extension of this thought, I want to share this quote also, uh, still in relation to, to the verse from Romans. It says, God allows everything into our lives for one of two purposes. Either to bring us into a relationship with himself, you could stop there. That would be enough. Or, if we already know him, to make us more like his son. Now, again, I love this. I love this verse. I love this uh, saying, quote, 
that's the correct word, because it says everything into our lives. God allows everything into our lives, which of course covers problems as well as the good. But I think that you have to agree, right? The outcome is nothing but good. And the outcome brings freedom. The outcome brings freedom. If we stay with the Apostle Paul in Romans, we can see how problems actually lead us to hope. And with hope, I believe, comes freedom. Um, in Romans 5, got to put the glasses on for this. Romans 5, verses 3 and 4 says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So in place of the word sufferings, again, why don't we insert the word problems instead? Insert the word problems instead. But we rejoice in our problems, knowing, that's, knowing that problems produce endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So instead of seeing a problem, do you see, right? Problem, hope, problem, hope. Which one do you want? I'm taking the hope all the time. But the problem, if we see it right, will bring you the hope. So here's a thought for you. Perhaps we need to shift our thinking a little bit. Maybe instead of seeing problems, maybe we need to look at a setback as a setup for God to move. Maybe we need to look at a setback as a set at a setback as a setup for God to move. Uh, I want to give you a, a great example of this uh, and of God using everything for His purpose. Uh, excuse my French or language here. Um, even if the even if at the time we think it sucks, it's the example I want to give you. Going back a few years now, uh, actually probably, well, more than a few, probably about 10 years now, now that I actually think about it, uh, a friend of mine thought that he was definitely, definitely, I'm getting this promotion at work. Uh, and he, he was thinking he was going to get to go and work at our brand new sister resort of the, of the resort that I was working at at that time. And when the time came for the announcement, of, the, of who would get the promotion, it went to somebody else. <laughs> to say my friend was gutted would be an understatement. He was like, what, 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 what? It's not me? No way. How is it not me? He was shocked. He was gutted. Then about three weeks later, we had a new guy join on the sales team. And it turned out that this guy's personal life uh, was a bit of a mess. It was a bit of a bit of a shambles. He'd actually gotten to the point where he actually started to think about ending it all. 
Now, my friend that thought he was going to get the promotion ended up forging a great friendship with this guy. And this gave the guy hope. And long story short, the new guy really started to turn his life around because he no longer felt alone in the world. When this guy joined us, he felt completely alone. He felt totally lonely. Um, he'd gone through stuff that had put him in, that, in that, that situation. But then the guy who thought he was going to be gone ended up becoming his very good friend. And through that friendship, he had hope. The guy went on to become pretty successful in our company. And everything about his life, thank you, Lord, did turn around. But I think about if my friend had got that promotion, I really don't know how the new guy's life would have ended up, to be honest with you. So yeah, this was a perfect example of God using something that my friend saw as a problem. Yeah, because for my friend, it was a problem not getting the promotion. But God used it for his purpose. In this case, to bring hope and a future to the new guy that joined our team. So yes, I believe God uses everything for his purpose. So when we have a problem, be it the promotion we don't get, the... How many of you got a boss that's always on your case? <laughs> I should keep my hand down, right? <laughs> um, I don't know, the really annoying brother through whom God teaches us patience, any of these kinds of things. Try to remember, it's not a problem. It's God using something for his purpose. Okay? All right. I think I can carry on a little bit. Uh, the second point I want to look at today, and don't worry, it is much shorter, is, is about positive biblical thinking. Now, I know much has been written in the last 20 to 30 years about the power of positive thinking. Uh, people like Deepak Chopra, um, for example, quite possibly some of you have read some of, some of these books. But I'm not talking about this type of positive thinking. I'm talking about the type of positive thinking that is biblical. The scriptures that encourage us to be positive in God's eyes, to think and act in a way that's pleasing to him. And also, in a way that at the same time has the extra benefit, I guess you would say, of stopping a problem being a problem. So there's two verses I want to look at with you in particular. Firstly is Ephesians 4, uh, 31 to 32. I think it's coming on the screen. So, again... Uh, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That last bit is quite often a bit of a, feels like a bit of a slap to me, I'll be honest. Um, the CEV translation puts it like this, okay? Stop being bitter 
and angry and mad at others. Don't yell at one another or curse each other or even be rude. Instead, be kind and merciful and forgive others just as God forgave you because of Christ. So I believe that if we can follow this scripture, this teaching, then many of the things that become problems in the first place will be eradicated from our life. Think about it a minute. Many of the problems that appear in our lives are of our own doing, right? Quite often, things that end up being a problem, we make it ourselves. It can come from bitterness, from anger, from rudeness, uh, from stubbornness. From these things, we can end up with the problem of guilt, of shame, of pride. So let's look to the glory instead, the glory of God instead, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted and forgiving. And if we live like this, well, we might just lose many of the problems that arise in our lives, yeah? The second verse I want to look at is from Philippians uh, 4, verse 8 and 9. A lot of people think this verse 8 is actually the most annoying verse in the whole of the book of Philippians. Uh, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. As I said, that verse 8, it's quite annoying. Um, but... I can't help thinking that our lives would really be significantly different, significantly better, if we really could think only about these things. I can't help thinking that many of the problems that we have would not be a problem if these were the things that we thought about. Finally, very quickly, third point. When we ask that thy will be done. So my final stop on the when is a problem, not a problem tour is this. When we understand thy will be done or your will be done as it will appear in some of your Bibles. Uh, it's from Matthew uh, 6, 10, B, I think, which of course comes from the, from the Lord's Prayer. Um, this is what we call an imperative, which basically is something that is being, commanded to, is being commanded to be done. It's not something that is a polite request. Oh, Lord, please, thy will be done. It's not like that. It's actually basically something that you are commanding to be done. You are asking, Lord, today in my life, please, your will be done. When Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, in the beginning, he gave us three of these imperatives. And it's important that we understand when we pray this that we're basically saying to God, we only want your will to be done in our life today. 
Everything that happens in my life today, I want it all to be from you. So if, if, as many of us do, I believe, we pray this every morning, and if we believe in the complete and never-ending goodness of God, and if we believe that he always acts in the promise of Jeremiah 29, 11 towards us that we looked at last week, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future, which was in the third or second song today, then how can we view anything that comes our way as a problem? It just goes totally, totally, totally against everything that we know of God and of his promises to us. If it is his will being done in every part of our lives every day, then we know that even though there will be things that in the flesh we see as a problem, we know by definition that because this thing is God's will, that means it's not a problem, but it is something to prosper you and not to harm you. So if we go back to the first point here, uh, understanding God's purpose, we can see how something that, that prepares you for ministry to others in the future, this is one of God's ways of prospering you. For me, the key here is that we have to see it through God's eyes, not through our own eyes. And we will see that there is no problem. So to end up, I'm guessing you can probably tell already that I'm really not a big fan of the word problem. I really don't like the word at all. Uh, I try not to even use it. Uh, these last two Sundays is probably the most I have said the word problem for many, many years. Um, I have tried, and I will continue to strive to completely wipe it out from my vocabulary and from my thinking. And I'm, I'm just praying that the message the last two weeks will help some of you also get into the same way of thinking. I'm praying that they've given you the realization that God is always good. God is always, always good. That he doesn't give us anything to purposely hurt or harm us. And that he is all about prospering us. Uh, last month in the, I think in the third message in uh, his series about God's glory bringing freedom to us. Uh, Pastor Don talked about when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples in a storm, and they were all panicking. Jesus, Jesus is asleep. Basically, the disciples woke him up and said, save us, Lord, we are perishing. In other words, in their eyes, they saw a huge problem. And in Matthew chapter 8, it says that Jesus rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. And I believe he will do the same exact thing for every one of you here, for every one of you watching online, for everyone in your families, for everyone that you touch 
with the light of God, he will do the same. So in other words, with Jesus, with God at the helm, there is no problem. So I pray that you can start to give your problems to God, to cast them all on him, to trust in him to do what you've asked him to do, to see the opportunity instead of the problem, to understand that his purpose for you and his will for your life today is for good and that you can lose the word problem, throw it away from your life and replace it with God's glory and may that glory bring you freedom. I want to leave you with something to think about as you leave today and as you go and have lunch and go home and watch a movie or whatever. And it's this quote from Pastor Bill Johnson. He says, If I live in reaction to a problem, then I'm influenced by it and I focus on the problem. If I live in awareness of the good that God has done, is doing, and will do, then the problem is no longer there. It's no longer there. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that every waking, every sleeping moment, we know and we can trust that you are working in our lives for good and to prosper us, to bring good into our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you are there to help us through all these situations, through all these challenges. Thank you for being our ever-present help. Thank you that we can turn to you always always, always, Lord. And I pray if there's anybody here right now who is thinking for some reason that they have something, they can't bring it to you, Lord. I pray that at this moment, this moment right now, Lord, they put their hands in the air and just surrender it right now to you, Lord, and give it to you, Lord, and that they remember not to take it back from you. Because once we've given it to you, it's yours. I pray that we all remember to do this and let, him, let God do what God does for us which is so much, so much in our lives, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to have spoken over the last two weeks. And I thank you so much that you are always good. I thank you so much for your goodness that I have seen through my life, through, my, through this congregation, Lord. And I just pray that your goodness will continue to fill everyone here, Lord, but that they don't keep it to themselves, Lord. I pray that they will go out and they will share your goodness. They will shine your light. They will speak your truths. They will pray hope. They will bring freedom to all those that they meet that do not yet know you, Lord. I thank you that we do know you. I thank you that we sit with the one who has conquered it all. And I thank you for the peace and the freedom that that gives us.
Jesus' mighty, beautiful name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Happy Sunday, everybody. Happy Sunday.